0: Well, greetings everyone, grace and peace. It is uh, so, so good uh, to be together this morning. Just a uh, quick reminder about the day that's ahead of us. Remember, we have the West Texas Advantage. Y'all know this advantage, right? It'll blow away. Yeah, the wind always blows, and some days it blows harder than others. But before you complain about it, because you can't do anything about it, just let it hit you in the face and be thankful that the ruch, that the Spirit of God is with you. And everyone said, Amen. Preacher's stupid,
1: right? (laughs) Here, here's the real truth. Do you know why the wind blows in West Texas?
0: Louisiana.
1: Well, New Mexico sucks.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we've got off to
0: a great start. <laughs> Well, uh, man, it's good to be back together. Thank y'all. Uh, Pastor Kurt, thank you for holding down the, the fort for us for several weeks. And hopefully the Brooks family is back on a little bit better rhythm uh, these days. And so uh, um, today is the 45th day of the year. Uh, it's a little bit of a weird psalm, so I'm going to pick my own. How's that? Uh, psalm 86. Uh, may this be for us today for sure. Let's pray me Lord and answer me for I am poor and needy. Guard my life for I'm faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God have mercy on me Lord for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant Lord for I put my trust in you. You Lord are forgiving and good. Abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring the glory to your name. For your deeds are great. And your marvelous deeds alone come from you. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: All right, we're going to tackle Mark 7 today. Jesus has been working hard. He's been feeding the thousands. He's training the disciples, boating skills. And now for all of His hard work, He's going to get a visit from the boys in Jerusalem. And they have a a bone to pick with Him. Chapter 7, verse 1. One day some Pharisees and teachers, so that's significant. We translate that as uh, teachers, but what is that really? It's rabbis. So these are the heavy hitters. And rabbis of religious law arrive from Jerusalem to confront Jesus. They notice that some of Jesus' it's interesting, some of Jesus' disciples failed to follow the usual Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they pour water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient tradition. Similarly, they eat nothing bought from the market unless they have immersed their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they had clung to, such as the ceremony of washing Cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and rabbis uh, ask him, Why don't your disciples follow the age-old custom? For they eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Okay, <laughs> this seems like we're picking minutia. what? Um, and Jesus' response to this is pretty classic about, you people make me crazy. Um, but there, there's a lot going on here behind the scenes. Uh, as confrontational as this is, it's not... It's not out of the norm. This is how the rabbinic system works. That teachers will come and discuss issues with other teachers. This is this is normal practice. This is the way they sort of judge and gauge another person. Not that the uh Pharisees don't become very hostile to Jesus, but this in and of itself is not is it's not a a battle cry. The you guys know this when Jesus asks a question um, like rabbis do, does he normally mean the question that he asks? I mean, yeah, rabbis tend to to really get into things, but they they don't do it so directly. You'll you'll find out in a minute. The Pharisees really aren't worried about hand washing. This is just a means to start this conversation this inquiry of of Jesus and what he's teaching now we need to talk about politics for a minute Ugh, politics so there was a massive question that is dividing Judaism in Jesus's day and it was simply around this how should we worship god about uh, 587, about 600 years or so before Jesus, remember the Jews had lost their country. They had been conquered. Everybody that had any kind of skill or any ability was hauled off as slaves. Uh, the rest were either killed or left to die. And so the, the group that was taken into exile, they live in Babylon, uh, and things start to change. Uh, we notice in Scripture, for example, in Daniel, for the first time ever, the Bible in Daniel begins to be written in another language other than Hebrew. Because they start to lose the ability to speak their own language. You guys know this story. So uh, they look around and they figure out, hey, if we don't do something quick, our kids are going to lose everything. We're going to lose Scripture. Uh, we can't speak it in their original language anymore. We don't know where Jerusalem is. We don't know what the temple is. We don't know any of this stuff. So they take the best amongst themselves uh, that still speak the original language and can still make it come alive for people. And they raise these guys up as teachers, as rabbis. Their original job was to teach the kids how to do this. But very quickly it turns into... Uh, the The Bible says this. Uh, if we're in Jerusalem, we should do this, but we're not in Jerusalem. So how can I do it in Babylon? So this system develops, and it really, really develops. So then the Jews get to come back to their homeland. And one part of their society said, okay, we're home. We have a temple. We have Jerusalem again. We're going to follow the Bible as it literally says, God said that we should have temple, we should have sacrifice, we're going to literally do what the Bible says. And then this other group comes along and says, well, wait a minute. Exile was bad, but some good things came from it. Part of the problem with the old system is that it's priests that are all hereditary. And they don't necessarily know anything, they're just born into the right family. Scripture before the exile had just been the responsibility of the priests, and do you remember what the priests did with part of Deuteronomy? What did they do with it? They lost it and had to be rediscovered. So this other side of Judaism, the rabbinic side, it says, you know, let's let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In our system, it's the best and the brightest that are leading people. You know, the educational system works sort of like darwinism um, as long as you're learning as long as you're growing you can stay in the system. If not, you drop out and you go do something else. So you have this meritocracy versus this aristocracy. And it's it, it's it's very different. The other thing the rabbinic sources said was um everybody everybody's responsible for learning scripture. If we leave it just in written form with a few priests, it's going to be lost. It can be destroyed. But if everybody spends one day a week really studying the Scripture, it's going to be written in our hearts and it can't be lost. So you don't have to go through this discussion very long before you realize which side of Judaism does Christianity grow out of? Is it temple or is it rabbi? It's very much rabbi. What we're doing today is synagogue. Men gathering together to study scripture to make it applicable to today. So this is the split, the big split. You have the Sadducees, the priests, and the other side you have rabbinic Judaism. Which side is Jesus on? Yeah, but is he is he a priest or is he a rabbi? Yeah, so Jesus is way over here. He's definitely in the rabbinic movement. Uh, he'll sp- fight with the Sadducees. So, in the, in the sense, you have the conservative priests and you have the the liberal uh, rabbis, and so Jesus is on this side. Okay, so if I just take this side though, if I take the rabbinic movement, there are branches within this. Uh, there, there's two schools. There's the, the very, very progressive, uh, which are the Hillel, and these are the Pharisees. And then there's a conservative side of the rabbinic movement, which is Shammai, which is Jesus. Okay, so massive politics going on here. And this is the big difference. In the original law in Exodus uh, 30, 19, if you want to look at it. Um, this is the law about washing your hands. So it's thirty nineteen. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, Make a large bronze wash basin with a bronze pedestal. So this is a massive, uh, like, baptismal. It's called the Bronze Sea, and it's full of living water. Uh, it's got to be spring water. Put it between the, ta- the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Enter and his sons will wash their hands and feet there before they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord before they approach the altar to burn offerings to the Lord. They must always wash before ministering in this way or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be kept for generations to generations. Okay. So what, what did God want done? Who? The priests. The priests. So that's the law. Now the progressive side of the rabbi said, well, again, we want everybody to know this. This isn't just for priests. If you leave it in the priest's hand, they're going to make a mess of it. The symbolism of living water is incredible. I mean, Jesus will say He's the living water. It's the sign that if you touch God, then, like we say, the Holy Spirit enters you and you can approach God. So the progressive side of the rabbi said, this is important and we want everybody to experience this. Not just the priests. So they said, well, how can we do it? Uh, it's it's not like we go in and uh, everybody offers sacrifice. But you know, bread. Bread is life. And bread is one of the things that's offered. So the the rabbis, the Pharisee rabbis, will rule, and they said, before you break bread, just as as a father, as a family, before you eat bread, because bread is so important, and we pray for our daily bread. You should, and I brought one of them. This is how they do it. Um, so you got two handles, and so you. They debate over this. You're supposed to pour it twice, some say. And then some say you're supposed to do it three times, (laughs) just to be sure. And then you switch hands and you pour the other um, before you break bread. Okay? So this is the ruling of the rabbis. Before you have a meal, you're supposed to break bread. Uh, Chris and I are working on a Seder dinner. And remember the (laughs) hand-washing? This is that issue, Chris. So what do we do with that? (laughs) So Jesus is going to come back and say, wait, wait a minute. You guys have, if you want to see this, I'll pass it around. If you guys um, want everybody to do this, that's just something you have made up. This is not what God said. So Jesus takes this very conservative view of that's not what the Bible says you're turning this into this pointless ritual where you attack people instead of remembering what is the point of this that you need to touch God before you try to approach God so do you want to yeah
0: so just just kind of let let what pastor Kurt uh, said sink into you did it begin in a good place absolutely all right it began in a good place with people when they are away from their home trying to maintain connection with god so the act of ritual washing was a good thing it was a means we would say a means of grace to stay connected to god well like anything uh it can turn bad when we make the, the thing an end in of itself. Absolutely. Right? Uh, so just like coming to worship on Sunday or being here, if you kind of in your soul get this place, well, God's going to give me a special privileges today because I came to listen to Pastor Kurt's history lesson. <laughs> right? You, you do get a special bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. No. Purpose of us being here together. In this In this room with each other, around god's word is for allow is to allow our hearts to be touched by the living God and for us to leave here changed so that when we head out into the world and get hit in the jaw, we won't hit somebody in the jaw back, right this becomes a means of grace. And what is happening here is it became a means to control people. Mm-hmm. and that That's what ticks Jesus off. Uh, and whenever you kind of go outside the bounds of, of who we're made to be, uh, this is where Jesus gets irate with these people. Go
1: ahead. Yeah, verse 6. Jesus, he, he fires all canons here. Jesus replied, You hypocrites. Um, he's he's not happy. So you are like he says, whitewash tombs. You're, you're not talking about hand washing because you want people to approach God. You're using this to pick a fight. Um, you're you're really trying to call me out because I'm more the conservative Shammai side as opposed to Hillel. And then Jesus goes into full rabbinic mode and he uh, starts quoting Scripture. This is what rabbis will do to each other. Um, So he quotes Isaiah. And uh, man, this one hurts. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Um, And again, Jesus is just recalling this for memory. Remember, he's got all the Scriptures memorized. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teaching. Man, I wish I had that command of Scripture, you know, that I could find Okay. Well,
0: greetings everyone, grace and peace. It is uh, so, so good uh, to be together this morning. Just a... Uh, Quick reminder about the day that's ahead of us. Remember, we have the West Texas advantage. Y'all know this advantage, right? It'll blow away. Yeah, the wind always blows and some days it blows harder than others. But before you complain about it, cause you can't do anything about it, just let it hit you in the face and be thankful that the rock, that the Spirit of God is with you. And everyone said, Amen. Preacher's stupid,
1: right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here, here's the real truth. Do you know why the wind blows in West Texas? Louisiana. Well, New Mexico sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have got off
0: to a great start. <laughs> well, uh, man, it's good to be back together. Thank you all. Uh, Pastor Kurt, thank you for holding down the, the fort for us for several weeks. And hopefully the Brooks family is back on a little bit better rhythm uh these days. And so uh um today is the forty fifth day of the year. Uh it's a little bit of a weird psalm, so I'm gonna pick my own. How's that? Uh Psalm eighty six. Uh may this be for us today for sure. Let's pray. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I'm faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring the glory to your name. For your deeds are great and your marvelous deeds alone come from you. Teach me your way, Lord That I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart. That I may fear your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. All right. We're going to tackle Mark seven today. Jesus has been working hard. He's been feeding the thousands. He's training the disciples, boating skills. And now for all of his hard work, he's going to get a visit from the boys in Jerusalem. And they have a a bone to pick with him. Chapter 7, verse 1. One day some Pharisees and teachers, so that's significant. We translate that as uh, teachers, but what is that really? It's rabbis. So these are the heavy hitters. And rabbis of religious law arrive from Jerusalem to confront Jesus. They notice that some of Jesus' and it's interesting, some of Jesus' disciples failed to follow the usual Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they pour water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient tradition. Similarly, they eat nothing bought from the market unless they have immersed their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they had clung to, such as the ceremony of washing cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and rabbis uh, ask him, why don't your disciples follow the age-old custom, for they eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony? Okay, <laughs> this seems like we're picking minutia. What? Um, and Jesus' response to this is pretty classic about you people make me crazy. Um, but there, there's a lot going on here behind the scenes. Uh, as confrontational as this is, it's not. It's not out of the norm. This is how the rabbinic system works. That teachers will come and discuss issues with other teachers. This is this is normal practice. This is the way they sort of judge and gauge another person. Not that the uh Pharisees don't become very hostile to Jesus, but this in and of itself is not is it's not a a battle cry. The you guys know this. When Jesus asks a question, um, like rabbis do, does he normally mean the question that he asks? I mean, yeah, rabbis tend to to really get into things, but they they don't do it so directly. You'll you'll find out in a minute. The Pharisees really aren't worried about hand washing. This is just a means to start this conversation this inquiry of of Jesus and what he's teaching now we need to talk about politics for a minute Ugh, politics so there was a massive question that is dividing Judaism in Jesus' day and it was simply around this how should we worship god about uh, 587, about 600 years or so before Jesus, remember the Jews had lost their country. They had been conquered. Everybody that had any kind of skill or any ability was hauled off as slaves. Uh, the rest were either killed or left to die. And so the, the group that was taken into exile, they live in Babylon, uh, and things start to change. Uh, we notice in Scripture, for example, in Daniel, for the first time ever, the Bible in Daniel begins to be written in another language other than Hebrew. Because they start to lose the ability to speak their own language. You guys know this story. So uh, they look around and they figure out, hey, if we don't do something quick, our kids are going to lose everything. We're going to lose Scripture. Uh, we can't speak it in their original language anymore. We don't know where Jerusalem is. We don't know what the temple is. We don't know any of this stuff. So they take the best amongst themselves uh, that still speak the original language and can still make it come alive for people, and they raise these guys up as teachers, as rabbis. Their original job was to teach the kids how to do this, but very quickly it turns into... Uh, the The Bible says this, uh, if we're in Jerusalem, we should do this, but we're not in Jerusalem. So how can I do it in Babylon? So this system develops, and it really, really develops. So then the Jews get to come back to their homeland. And one part of their society said, okay, we're home. We have a temple. We have Jerusalem again. We're going to follow the Bible as it literally says, God said that we should have temple, we should have sacrifice, we're going to literally do what the Bible says. And then this other group comes along and says, well, wait a minute. Exile was bad, but some good things came from it. Part of the problem with the old system is that it's priests that are all hereditary. And they don't necessarily know anything, they're just born into the right family. The scripture before the exile had just been the responsibility of the priests, and do you remember what the priests did with part of Deuteronomy? What did they do with it? They lost it and had to be rediscovered. So this other side of Judaism, the rabbinic side, it says, you know, let's let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. In our system, it's the best and the brightest that are leading people. You know, the educational system works sort of like Darwinism. Um, as long as you're learning, as long as you're growing, you can stay in the system. If not, you drop out and you go do something else. So you have this meritocracy versus this aristocracy. And it's it, it's, it's very different. The other thing the rabbinic sources said was, um, everybody, everybody's responsible for learning Scripture if we leave it just in written form with a few priests, it's going to be lost. It can be destroyed. But if everybody spends one day a week really studying the Scripture, it's going to be written in our hearts and it can't be lost. So you don't have to go through this discussion very long before you realize which side of Judaism does Christianity grow out of? Is it temple or is it rabbi? It's very much rabbi. What we're doing today is synagogue. Men gathering together to study scripture to make it applicable to today. So this is the split, the big split. You have the Sadducees, the priests, and the other side you have rabbinic Judaism. Which side is Jesus on? Hmm. Yeah, but is he is he a priest or is he a rabbi? rabbi? Yeah. So Jesus is way over here. He's definitely in the rabbinic movement. Uh, he'll sp- fight with the Sadducees. So in the, in the sense you have the conservative priests and you have the, the liberal uh, rabbis. And so Jesus is on this side okay so if I just take this side though if I take the rabbinic movement there are branches within this uh, there, there's two schools there's the the very very progressive uh, which are the Hillel and these are the Pharisees and then there's a conservative side of the rabbinic movement which is Shammai which is Jesus okay so massive politics going on here and this is the big difference in the original law in Exodus uh, 30 19, if you want to look at it, um, this is the law about washing your hands. So it's 30:19. the Lord said to Moses. Make a large bronze wash basin with a bronze pedestal. So this is a massive, uh, like, baptismal. It's called the Bronze Sea, and it's full of living water. Uh, it's got to be spring water. Put it between the, ta- the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Enter and his sons will wash their hands and feet there before they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord before they approach the altar to burn offerings to the Lord. They must always wash before ministering in this way or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be kept for generations to generations. Okay. So what, what did God want done? Who? The priests. The priests. So that's the law. Now the progressive side of the rabbi said, well, again, we want everybody to know this. This isn't just for priests. If you leave it in the priest's hand, they're going to make a mess of it. The symbolism of living water is incredible. I mean, Jesus will say He's the living water. It's the sign that if you touch God, then, like we say, the Holy Spirit enters you and you can approach God. God. So the progressive side of the rabbi said, this is important and we want everybody to experience this. Not just the priests. So they said, well, how can we do it? Uh, it's it's not like we go in and uh, everybody offers sacrifice. But you know, bread. Bread is life. And bread is one of the things that's offered. So the the rabbis, the Pharisee rabbis will rule and they said before you break bread just as as a father, as a family before you eat bread because bread is so important and we pray for our daily bread you should and I brought one of them, this is how they do it Um, so you got two handles and so you They debate over this. You're supposed to pour it twice, some say. And then some say you're supposed to do it three times, (laughs) just to be sure. And then you switch hands and you pour the other um, before you break bread. Okay? So this is the ruling of the rabbis. Before you have a meal, you're supposed to break bread. Uh, Chris and I are working on a Seder dinner. And remember the (laughs) hand-washing? This is that issue, Chris. So what do we do with that? (laughs) So Jesus is going to come back and say, wait, wait a minute. You guys have, if you want to see this, I'll pass it around. If you guys um, want everybody to do this, that's just something you have made up. This is not what God said. So Jesus takes this very conservative view of that's not what the Bible says. You're turning this into this pointless ritual where you attack people. Instead of remembering what is the point of this that you need to touch God before you try to approach God. So, if you want to Yeah,
0: so just just kind of let let what Pastor Kurt uh, said sink into you. Did it begin in a good place? absolutely all right it began in a good place with people when they are away from their home trying to maintain connection with god so the act of ritual washing was a good thing it was a means we would say a means of grace to stay connected to god well like anything uh it can turn bad when we make the, the thing an end in of itself. Absolutely. Right? Uh, so just like coming to worship on Sunday or being here, if you kind of in your soul get this place, well, God's going to give me a special privileges today because I came to listen to Pastor Kurt's history lesson. <laughs> right? You,
1: you do get a special bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No.
0: Purpose of us being here together. In this, in this room with each other around God's word is for allow, is to allow our hearts to be touched by the living God. And for us to leave here changed so that when we head out into the world and get hit in the jaw, we won't hit somebody in the jaw back. Right? This becomes a means of grace. And what is happening here is it became a means to control people? Mm-hmm. And that that's what ticks Jesus off. Uh, and whenever you kind of go outside the bounds of, of who we're made to be, uh, this is where Jesus gets irate with these people.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, verse six. Jesus he he fires all cannons here. Jesus replied, "You hypocrites. Um, he's he's not happy. No, you are." Like he says, whitewashed tombs. You're not talking about hand washing because you want people to approach God. You're using this to pick a fight. Um, you're you're really trying to call me out because I'm more the conservative Shammai side as opposed to Hillel. And then Jesus goes into full rabbinic mode and he uh, starts quoting scripture. This is what rabbis will do to each other. Um, so he quotes Isaiah. And uh, man, this one hurts. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Um, and again, Jesus is just recalling this for memory. Remember he's got the, all the scriptures memorized. Their worship is a farce. For they replace God's commands with their own man-made teaching. And I wish I had that command of Scripture. You know, that I could find the perfect um, quote. I mean, just, just pull it out. But he he's absolutely right. You turn this into, like Steve said, a, a tool. It's a bludgeon where you're trying to pick a fight. Man, I wish wish Christianity didn't do this still I wish we didn't Um, there's so many times that we we try to twist this and make people behave a certain way as opposed to to really connect with God you know the details become the the focus when this this connection with God verse 8 for you ignore God's specific laws and substitute your own tradition which is exactly what they did. This was for the priests. This is a, a ritual thing. And by the way, this has nothing to do with like hygiene, right? It's it's this is a ritual thing. But then he said, "You reject God's law in order to hold on to your own traditions." This is really what the debate is about. So we we've got to the to the preliminary, and Jesus is saying. You're taking too many liberties. You're pouring all this stuff on people. Again, it probably started as as a good idea. Jesus would have agreed with many of those ideas, but you've taken it into a very destructive place because you're teaching people um, to to focus on the detail instead of instead of the relationship.
0: And you hear Pastor Kurt and I talk about this all the time. The way pagans related to God was through manipulation. Right? You go through these these very elaborate rituals, and then the gods are forced to do something for you. Manipulation. Well, as followers of the one true God, God cannot be manipulated. In fact, we're invited into covenant relationship with God. And so all of the things that we quote-unquote do for God are a means to stay connected to God, not manipulate God for our own ends. Which is what was going on here. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Was, was there a connection between the hand washing and foot washing?